Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success radio show number 378, how to put a sound progressive well-being strategy into place. Today we're going to be talking about the practical things managers can do to support the well-being of their people. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Jane Sunley, who's business author and founder of Purple Cubed and co-founder of Carrero. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. This Lovely. is new stuff. Aha. So welcome, Jane. Great to have you with us. And this is your second visit, I think, to the show, isn't it? Yes. Thank you for having me back. Lovely. So tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and who, who Carrero are. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, why wouldn't you start a new business in the middle of a pandemic? Anyway, uh, who am I? So I've been consulting in the employee engagement area for about 20 years, and I am a very pragmatic, outcome-focused consultant. So I'm probably a bit different from some consultants you would have met, and maybe the same as some others. Uh, But for me, it's all about like practical, workable solutions. What can we get do to get from A to B? to get people engaged and therefore retain them and get the productivity levels up and so on. Uh, My company started out as a consulting business and then now two thirds of it are tech, which is some some tools that we invented to kind of keep our good works in place. And the tech has sort of grown and grown and grown and gone a bit crazy. So we've decided that we are now in 2021 going to hive it off into its own business and completely reinvent it for probably about the fifth time so well, that's what I've been doing really I do loads of other things but I'm not going to bore you with them if you're that interested you can go on my LinkedIn and it will tell you what I get up to. Lovely so thanks Shane and I, I think probably given we're you know right in the middle of of the um, pandemic still and um, no sort of light at the end of the tunnel almost maybe it's a little flickering light a candle um, it would be good to sort of get some idea of um your thoughts on how this sort of last sort of nine to 12 months has, has really impacted within organisations, given that we've had the sort of pandemic and, you know, well-being has been something that um, a lot of people have focused on, I think almost uh, more so than, than ever, because it's been so vital. What have you been saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are, no, we don't feel like it at the moment, but there are silver linings from this pandemic. And one of them is that there's been a lot more emphasis on looking after people, Mm. hopefully. Um, I mean, the downside is that, you know, the pandemic, there are three times more people having 
between moderate and serious mental health issues now than there were before the pandemic. So, of course, that blots out any kind of silver lining. But in the long term, I do think people are thinking more strategically about this and they've stopped just kind of putting in the odd initiative and ticking the box and hoping it's going to be all right. Yeah. Um, that, you know, there's lots to learn. We've all had a massive crash course in resilience which, you know, again, in the longer term will we'll serve people well because we've had to, you know, we're right at the beginning of this. And I was saying, oh, it'll only be three weeks and we'll all be fine. And, you know, it's been months and months and months and people have moved mountains they never thought they could even approach, never mind actually achieve. Yeah. So it's changed a lot of things for the for the better, even though we've all really had to suffer for it, I think. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think is I was talking to... A group of people today about how much uncertainty has has made things extra challenging and and the fact almost that when we started sort of may eight may sorry march april may you know last year we it was a crisis and it was you know a big issue and no really no one really knew what was going to happen but we also had this view that it would be over quite quickly and i, I think it's almost worse now trying to get our heads around uncertainty because there's even more uncertainty because we sort of know too much now to believe that it's going to be that easy to resolve sort of thing yeah I couldn't agree with you more I think it's just that we don't think that it might be opening over in three months or six months or whatever we we don't think about that do we so um you know I think we've all learned to be a lot more pessimistic than we were perhaps eight uh ten months ago perhaps exactly and I, I we spoke to um Peter Cheese the CEO of the CIPD at um or chief executive, I think he is, um, at an engaged success board meeting right at the, the beginning, so probably sort of April um, time. And I remember him saying that, that the sort of biggest priority at that moment for HR people was well-being and that there was a, a massive focus, you know, across the board sort of thing. Um, has, you know, I, I guess people have had to settle in and start to think of other things that they need to focus on as well. So I guess it's probably still a, a big focus but actually quite a challenge to, to to focus on that whilst also thinking about moving everything else forwards uh, again things have yeah. developed a bit in the time again some thoughts you said you think people are being more strategic I guess it was quite reactive probably. well I somehow yeah I mean I think you know you, you can't get away from the fact that the world was in a massive huge um well-being crisis before all of yes. this Yes. you know and, and I think people haven't quite got that because no. I you know we we were in my business we were working on a just a small well-being product just about helping people to self-assess their well-being because there seemed to be loads of solutions getting thrown at everybody and people were saying things like oh you know our company's great they give us all these things but I'm just freaked out by it I, I don't know where to start and it's too much and it's or maybe it's not the thing that I need so we'd started working on that and I kept saying to people look the world's in a well-being crisis and people used to look at me as if I was massively you know overreacting and exaggerating but we were and of course it's got so much worse so it has been super difficult and I know HR people have just had a complete nightmare so big shout out to you all out there just having to deal with the whole issue particularly in service industries where there have been loads of redundancies and tons of furlough and you know a nightmare and then you're supposed to keep everybody's well-being up there as well so I know it's not been easy but I do think people have really switched the emphasis onto well-being which is a very positive thing yeah and the other thing the other reflection from another meeting recently we've been having some meetings within Engage for Success talking about the future 
um, of or the state of employee engagement and and how it's sort of um, manifesting and, and the changes that are coming and need to happen, everything else. And, and one reflection from the meeting a couple of weeks ago was that it feels like the organisations that are doing that were doing stuff well are continuing to do stuff even better, and the organisations that that weren't doing things well seem to almost be going in the opposite direction. Is is that what you see as well, or are we just? Um... Oh, oh, absolutely. About I think probably about six months into the pandemic, I wrote a blog called Angels, Angels and Demons, and it was not shaming anybody particularly but it was just saying how there were such two distinct camps where some people had done it so well because they got it and they understood it and yes they were doing it anyway and employer engagement was important to them and then some who you know you could tell the businesses where engagement doesn't matter because they sort of handled the whole pandemic stuff so appallingly I mean there were some shocking horror stories so I, I do think it's it kind of comes back down to your culture and how people-centric you are. Because if you didn't really care about your people before, it was more likely that you were going to go, oh, you know, I'm going to think about myself and sort myself out rather than, you know, my people. And you, you can definitely see who the, the good people were and who just, well, yeah. as I say, handled it so badly. And I guess if you're, if you're just not very good about it, not very knowledgeable or very aware already, then adding in, you know, major challenges isn't going to make you any... <laughs> more aware or better at it (laughs) but the interesting thing and this is going to be a silver lining I believe is that you know people will have long memories and will remember those businesses and those organizations who've handled this well and you look nobody's had a great time and there's been all sorts of difficult decisions to make but how you handle that and how the communication goes and how transparent you are and all of that People will never forget for a very long time. And I do think that whole thing that you and I have probably been saying forever, which is if you don't do the right things to engage your people, they won't want to work for you. I think that will accelerate now. And I know there's loads of people out of work and, you know, people are taking jobs they don't really want. But, Mm. you know, a few years from now, a couple of years from now, if if you're not a nice place to work, people won't want to work there. No, exactly. I think people will be a lot more discerning. Yes, I remember um, one of our first thought and action groups um, when we first sort of went live was our barriers group. We've had a few iterations of it uh, since, but um, I'm trying to think who was involved. It was Alex, somebody, and I'm really sorry that I can't remember your name. Um, And I remember him talking about the fact that... um, organizations have like a, a collective memory that it's like sort of stories of how things have been stay in the organization and you know he talked at the time about you know people can remember 10 years ago that awful redundancy program that went wrong and didn't work very well and was handled badly people still talk about it now sort of thing and that's exactly what you're saying isn't it that um the that happen now will will you know endure one way or the other good or bad Look, people love to tell stories yes. and it's great if you can, I mean, I call it organisational folklore, if you like, yes. and yes. it's great if you can have all the good stories, but, but sh- people sure remember the bad stories and they yes. absolutely talk about them. Yes. And, you know, that can be quite toxic, so it'd be quite good not to have too many negative stories flying around. Really. No, exactly, exactly. So, so Jane, tell us what a wellbeing strategy means to you. What, what should organisations be you know, thinking about it at that sort of top level in terms of what they're doing? Yeah, I, w- I want to start by just saying that I don't think you can separate it out. And and you'll know what I mean by this, because years ago with employee engagement, people used to say it was a kind of thing or a plan. 
Um, mm. And of course, the plan. But I mean, employee engagement goes through everything you do every day and every part of the employee journey. And I think it's a similar thing to your well-being strategy in that, you know, if you're not a nice place to work and your managers are pretty toxic, you can have all the strategies you like and all the plans and all the initiatives, but it's just not going to work. So it's so inextricably linked with your culture. So I suppose my first comment, if you like, about what a well-being strategy is, is, have you got a culture that is conducive to well-being? Mm-hmm. And I think when we're thinking about well-being, I, d- I don't think it, you know it's not just about health. It's not just about mental health. It's about mental health, physical health, financial health. It's about happiness and it's about purpose and engagement. It's a holistic look at the well-being of your people, which in turn, you know, will make them more loyal, more engaged, healthier, mm-hmm. all the good things. So I do think you have to start with a hard look at your culture. And this is why it worries me. I mean, there's so many um, kind of cookie cutter employee uh, well-being strategies available on the Internet. And I'm I'm not saying some of them aren't great. I'm sure they are. But you can't have a cookie cutter approach in the same way that you couldn't to employee engagement. Mm. So for me, it's about finding out where you are now. And you can only do that by asking your people and then working out what that plan is. And if the strategy is nothing particularly to do with any one of those things, you know, if the, if the priorities are, well, let's get all our leaders on board with this, you, know, you can't get anywhere if everybody's not going to support it from the highest level. So I do think well-being strategy is something that you cannot treat as a tick box. And I don't want to be patronising and saying people are doing that, but I have seen some people doing that. Um, you know, it's it's a way of life and it's yeah. so deep into your culture, really. So I suppose what it means to me is is a very broad yes. item that is a priority for everybody, I think. It's almost like if you need one, then you haven't got... Yeah. To- Set up yeah. Probably, <laughs> which exactly. is you know a bit of an odd I, thing. I do think that, yeah. You know, so I, I won't tell you who it was, but a very large, um, well-known consulting firm, uh, somebody I know who works there, did ask me a few months ago about, oh, we've had some clients who want us to put in a well-being strategy. What should we do? And I thought that was quite telling that a great big, you know, a, a, a name that you will all know who you know should absolutely have this stuff off pat. We're asking us, you know, our small em- employment engagement consultancy with like less than 20 people in it, how to do this. Yeah. I sort of said, well, you know, if you don't know how to do it, I, I don't think you should go and take the work. Because <laughs> you've got to understand, you can't just get a model and stick it in and go, there's your well-being. And this is where consulting goes wrong sometimes. You know, if you try and put standard stuff. In the same way that every person's an individual, every company is, is an individual and it's got its own culture and its own ways and its own folklore and all of that. And if you don't understand it and tailor whatever you do to fill in the gaps, then it's just a complete waste of money in my view. And I do yeah. think people spend lots of money on this stuff and don't actually see any perceivable um, return on their investment or certainly not the t- return on investment they deserve so no. I don't want to get on my soapbox but <laughs> I think you've got to have a bit of a common sense approach here really yeah so where do you think organizations are going wrong um, I think that there, there is this like initiative initiative itis thing 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because people will, you'll say, what are you doing about well-being? And they'll go, well, we've got um, we've got counselling and we've got yoga and we've got free fruit and we've got this and we've got that. And all of those things are good things if that will improve the well-being of your people. Yeah. But if they're, they're not what your people need, then you're wasting money. So I go back to where they go wrong is not to find out what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So that's one. I think two is not having the board in, involved in this and engaged in this and absolutely believing in it. Because I do know there are businesses out there where the board have said, oh, go and sort well-being out. I mean, there's quite a lot of jobs at the moment for well-being specialists, which is great. Um, but I hope people aren't just suddenly thinking, oh, I'll employ that person and they'll deal with it all for me. Yes, yes. Again, yeah. a bit like employee engagement you know exactly the same thing absolutely right responsibility not ours on the board or not ours as a a manager it's yours you're the the uh, director of or the whatever and that um as you say is just a heading for disaster before you know and you know if those people the senior leaders when the fact the leaders at all levels through the organization if they're not going to role model those well-being type behaviors such as being supportive and being healthy and you know all of those th- I mean I read <laughs> I read one one day that somebody a manager had, had written to the team oh, I feel really tired this week look it's okay to feel tired but if you're going to go telling your team you feel tired it's not really role modeling the you know I mean get enough rest and do what you need to do and if there's a problem go and get it sorted and yeah. you know so I, I do think there's a big thing about um, you know well-being organizations I mean people who are well-meaning sorry organizations putting these things in without the board even thinking it's anything to do with them mm-hmm. so what should organizations be doing what can organizations do given the sort of really difficult situation we're in where people are you know quite often fighting to keep organizations afloat and mostly from their little home shed office <laughs> I mean I think don't bite off too much at once you know I think you've got to be it's like anything in these situations particularly in the crisis situation is be super honest about where you're at i.e you know we are fighting here to do x y and z and whatever we're doing and we're all in this together and let's all you know let's keep you informed I mean I've written tons during the pandemic about just how to communicate with people and and up it and I'm glad to say people not because of me but people have been communicating better so I really hope they don't go back to the old habits once we all get back to work and or maybe we'll never get back to work but in the same way but you know there is a bit about being transparent and being honest with people and saying look we do want to look after your well-being in the best possible way and we're going to survey you or we're going to talk to you or whatever we're going to do just tell us what you think about well-being here this is what it is you know mm-hmm. you know what does it mean to you and what are the bits that are missing and what would make your life better mm-hmm. because usually when you ask people they, they come up with these things that you would never have had in your well-being strategy yes yeah but it just matters to them right there yeah. So listen, you know, go and do your fact finding. You know, if I was going to start a, any sort of work around this, I'd just go and find out what was going on at all levels and what people thought about it. Yeah. And hand on heart, just do you think this organisation cares about your well-being? And if they're saying actually no, then you've got to go back one and, and go and deal with those reasons rather than trying to put things in that will make it better. Mm-hmm. You've got to go back to store. So I think that's where I'd start is finding out and just remembering that it's not these kind of initiatives. It's, it's got to be tailored to the circumstances. 
it's got to be tailored to the needs of the organisations and, you know, avoid trying to put in these, as I say, standard kits and models because that is not going to work. I don't think I'd be very surprised if it does. Sorry, people who've got kits and models, but... Um, and, um, <laughs> yeah, and then absolutely get the board on board. Got yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, put some numbers, some analytics around it because if you're not monitoring what you're doing and whether it's making a difference or not you know you're going to spend a lot of money doing stuff that's not going to make any perceivable difference yeah yeah. so I think there has to be some some sort of simple metrics analytics whatever not that people have got to keep reporting in you know automate it there are loads of things out there that you can do um so yeah tailor it start with the culture start with the leadership you might you might need to spend ages just getting your leaders up to the place where they actually believe that but believe that this stuff is right and they will 100% support it mm. because there are still you know there are great leaders out there but there's still a lot of toxic bosses yes yeah no. I wonder if um so one of the things I always bang on about is treating people as individuals which is one sort of element of, of being a, a really good yeah. engaging manager yeah. and I wonder whether the circumstance of having uh, and obviously it's not all organizations but you know many organizations having now people working from home rather than their office yeah I wonder whether actually just the nature of that will encourage organizations to be more individualized in what they're doing because they haven't got like this homogenous group sat in that office over there that they're going to provide x for they've actually got people dispersed all in their own rooms in their own houses um and and so sort of naturally there's an individualization of it whatever that it might be. I, I, I don't know. Have you seen any of, of that? I think there are, two, there are definitely two halves of that. There are people who have said, yes, actually, they are all um, all over the place and we need to you know, think about the individual aspects yeah. of it and some people are doing that quite well. But there are others who are thinking this is just too hard to manage. They're all over the place. I can't control them anymore. Yeah. So sending out loads of blanket stuff which sort of makes it worse. So I think that it's back to those people-centric organisations, really. If you get it and you understand people and you think, you know, we've always said, you and I know because I've seen your stuff and things, but that it is about the individual. Mm. And I do think that in the long term, this will put the value of the, the um, individual more centrally mm. and people will start to do that. But, you know, that's why I think it's good that there's been a massive rise in the or an acceleration in your life if you like in the use of people tech yeah because that's the only way you can treat people as individual conversely is by digitizing stuff yeah. so that people can come to you with their feedback and and you know they drive the process rather than the manager managers trying to do everything with everybody and control it and I do think a lot of management managerial control has been you know, people probably feeling a bit out of control, but that's the best thing ever that could happen because it will be the end of command and control. And that's needed to happen for decades. But, you know, still people were hanging on to it. So there may have been some people who've been through quite a difficult um, journey here. But I do think if you get the right ways of en enabling people to drive their own progress, drive their own feedback, and that's when the individual thing starts to come in and that's when you get real change. So I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Mm -hmm. you may so let's think sort of a bit more micro. We've talked about sort of company as a whole. What can managers and leaders do with their people in their teams to help them to, um, you know, to, to support their, their well-being? 
okay well I think get informed you know if you're sitting there and you're a manager right now and you're thinking actually I'm not sure where my my company stands on well-being but I want to be a a well-being led manager then you know there's so much information out there I mean not least from the likes of Mind UK and Mental Health Foundation but also just in general there's stuff on our website there's we've got a, a our well-being products called Wellbe. There's stuff on the Wellbe website. So just get informed about you know what well-being means because people automatically think of mental health. And obviously that's very important. But there are all these other aspects that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So get informed. Um, I think find out what the company policy is and what's available because sometimes people don't know. It's a bit like benefits, you know, when people go, What benefits do you get? and nobody really knows. Yeah. And then when you look, they go, Oh, I never knew I could do that. Um, so I think there is that sort of getting informed bit and just getting your own mindset into one of kindness and empathy, really. Because, uh, you know, if you're thinking you're always in conflict with people and, you know, you're always defensive and you want to control them, it's probably quite hard for you to be a, a well-being centric manager. So I think work on things like trust and relationships and make sure that purpose is clear as in a company but also in your department and your team what are we here to do and how are we all contributing because these are all engagement things but as I say it's, it's just linked it's the same sort of thing and you know make kindness a, a subject that you put some priority on and, and talk about those things yeah. Yeah. and check in with people and just ask them how they are and when they go fine you know people are never fine when they say fine are they yeah. <laughs> get your skills up your questioning skills without leading to conflict you know yeah. go and do a, go and do a counseling you know if you're off and you're furloughed at the moment go and do a counseling course or a coaching course or a, something because it gives you those kind of skills about asking really good questions and listening and doing something with the answers so I think it's about upping your your soft skills mm-hmm. um, and and doing those kind of things and yeah. just fully embracing the right way to do things and if things are not right that you put your head over the parapet and you say so because there's a lot of middle managers who probably see not great stuff happening within more senior levels and I know this isn't everybody but it does happen in some businesses you know you've got to be a brave person to raise your head up but I think after everything we've been through this year you kind of owe it to everybody to do that so be brave I guess yeah and the other thing is time because as you quite rightly said, Joe, everybody's trying to survive and keep the business going and do whatever they're doing. But if you haven't got time to devote to people's well-being, it will fall off the list. It just It's like engagement. It just does. So it's about making time, get super organised. And if you still haven't got the time, then you need to go and talk to somebody about, you know, I need to have time with my people. If you're a manager, I, w- I would argue that the primary focus on your job is to make sure people can operate well, happily, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got time to do that because you're filling in forms or trying to chase things around, then something's got to change. Yes, yeah. So we're we're just into this, the last five minutes or so of the show. Um, clearly, there's a, a big focus on technology in your neck of the woods. You're um, sort of hiving that off into a, another organisation. You said at yeah. the beginning, um, technology. Has, has come to the fore because we've had to use it. But I, I was in, a, again, another meeting recently where somebody was saying, you know, the stats say that only a small percentage of people interact 
with technology, with other people, you know, social and all that sort of stuff. Um, so you can't believe, you know, everything you hear or see on your um, platforms because it's it's the, the noisy people, um, which, you know, I sort of reflected, well, that's the same as real life anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just because you don't like tele- technology, um, you know, that that's something that you're blaming technology for. But, you know, that happens in real life. But, you know, it's so much more important that people do use the technology at the moment because we're not face to face. How do your, how does your technology help with that? And, and again, what are you seeing in terms of um, people's use of it? Yeah, so our, our technology is all aimed really at, employee engagement so it is about communicating it is about people being able to drive their own learning drive their own progress it's not it's not e-learning it's just a a a platform for people to say actually so you can assess where you're at and where you want to get to and then it will tell you how you need to get there in a in a nutshell and we've got all these different things that do that so there's a well-being one and various different things people can assess their own progress rather than waiting for their terrible annual appraisal where they're dreading it and then someone tells them how well they've done but actually or not um you know so it is about having that fluid um communication and exchange of dialogue if you like it's about Mm -hmm. driving dialogue and i think if you get the right technology people will use it because it's in their interest to use it i know i started doing it i think we were the first in the uk to have any kind of back in the day we used to have a kind of online um, review tool which is still an element of what we do but in a, in a more contemporary way and people used to say oh no one will use this who's going to fill this in I say yeah but if you say to people if you use this that is how you will progress or not if that's what you want to do um, and of course people used it because it was easy to use and it helped people to get where they want to get so you're just going to make sure you get the right technology and sometimes companies go wrong because they've got like 14 different people apps and nobody knows what to use. So yeah. it's got to be integrated and it's got to be simple and, you know, single sign on. And I know people talk about that more now, but, you know, I've been into companies where there's so much people tech that it's just not doing its job because there's too much. So yeah. just make it simple. And if you don't know, get someone in that can kind of rationalize it all for you without making you spend gazillions redoing yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Jane. It's been great talking to you today and um, really exploring very sort of topical stuff um, in the moment. Um, I don't know if people will be listening to this in years to come and wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I hope so. I hope everyone will have forgotten about it. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> really appreciate you um, joining us again. And uh, maybe we should book another one in for another year's time and see how things have changed. Well, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Lovely. And just to let you know, next week I'll be back um, and I'll be talking with Jo Moffat, who's my fellow co-strategy director at Engage for Success. And she's now partnerships director heading up our new partnerships hub. And we're just going to be talking a bit about the new hub and also an update on uh, what we did in 2020 uh, and uh, a review of, of the changes that we made and how things are going um, and all the other hubs that we've uh, created uh, in the last 12 months. And we're also going to look forward to uh, our 10 year anniversary um, celebrations, which um, are actually kicking off um, later this year in March, uh, which is 10 years since the breakfast at number 10 when Engage Success was launched. And they're actually going to run right the way through until uh, November 2020. 
two, which is when we went live with a website and really started to push forward. So we've got 18 months of birthday celebrations and lots going on. And we'll be looking for support and ideas and thoughts and uh, contribution um, from people within the movement. So we're going to talk about that with you next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.